first met uh, Jen Drungel, my wife and I looked at each other and said, we want a relationship with this woman. We just know there's something quality here. There's something very special and unique that, that we believe that there's, a, there's something here that God wants to put together. And we, we believe for that. And, of course, God has uh, ordained that. And one of the things that I love about Jen, as even though she is a, uh, an internationally known speaker and author and strategist, uh, there are several things that I'm very impressed with her about. And one of the things I'm most impressed with her about is the fact that she was she's able to reach a wide range of people. That's what I love about her gift. Uh, she ministers to men. She ministers to women. I have the privilege of listening to her messages. I, I listen to her podcast and I read her books and, and I get blessed and I want to encourage every one of you to do the very same. One of the things that I wrote down, I, I, I had this in my heart and I, I read it in all the other services. I want to, this, is, this I believe represents the uniqueness of this special woman that's with us today. She's a minister of the gospel, a true woman of God. She could be your mentor and your dear friend. She can reach the intellectual and the brand new believer in Christ. She's old school and she's new school. She's profound yet extremely simple. She's the girl next door. She's the woman of God influencing foreign heads of state. So she's she's just regular Jen. And then man, she becomes a superwoman. Uh, that God uses and it's very impressive. She could be your big sister or your little sister. She could be your shopping buddy or let's go get pizza buddy. She's just as comfortable being the fashionista as in a comfy pair of jeans. If you're Italian or you wished you were Italian, um, she's your paisano, so she's mio paisano. Jen uh, Tringale is the right way to say her name. Uh, she has the ability to do many things, but one of the great things about her is there's no doubt that she is a very rare gift that's able to bless such a, a wide range of people. And we're blessed to have her with us today. So I'd love for you to stand to your feet, please, and give a, a, a honoring welcome, a warm welcome to Reverend Jen Tringell that's with us today. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. You're welcome. Thank love you me. so much. Love you, too. Praise the Lord. You can be seated this morning. Wow, what words to live up to. It'll take my whole life to fulfill all that. But I'd like to start with Pizza Buddy. I feel like that's a good place to start. Um, wow, what a weekend we have had. Ladies that got to be a part of the conference. I mean, come on. We had a great time. Wow. And International Family Church, I mean, you just showed everybody how it's done. And uh, you just just outdid yourselves. Everything was so excellent. And it was such an honor to come and be a part of and to get to know the family that is International Family Church. I am so thrilled to hear your pastors call me a new friend of this house. I'm just glad I made it as a friend, you know. Uh, but I told them, I said, I have actually been a longtime fan of theirs and a fan of International Family Church. And so it's just a double blessing to get to be here. And I just have to say that Pastor Verna's session at that women's conference was out of this world. And I wrote, yeah, it was awesome. I wrote, there are times when I'm sitting in services when, you know, you just have the sense right in the beginning, okay, this is going to be one to come back to. 
And so when I'm in sessions like that, at the top of my notes, I started this a few years ago, I'll write master class. And so when I'm going through my notes, I know uh, you need to look over those notes. I mean, she didn't have five words out of her mouth. And I was writing master class at the top of that session. Pastor Vern, it was tremendous. It was so tremendous. So uh, I'm so thrilled to be here. And of all days on Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day, all you amazing mamas and uh, soon to be mamas, someday mamas. And I helped out the uh, earlier service. Listen, if you didn't maybe get your your mom or your you know wife or anything yet for Mother's Day, you're thinking your gift's not really up to par, I'm going to help you out. All you got to do is look at them right now and just look her in the eye and say, your hair has never looked better. <laughs> and I'm telling you, they'll, women, it, it just does a world of good. And so there you go. I helped you out right there. And you're already better for it. Hey, I wanted to mention just a couple of things um, that are out there. And I'm just really going to take the time uh, to mention this series because it, it's, there's a piece of it that we're going to talk about today. I feel like it'll be a really good tool for you going forward uh, on your path of destiny. And it's a brand new series called Citizens of Heaven on Earth, How Your Authority Brings Change. And uh, so I mentioned that because I believe it'll help you out. And then we've got some free tools that we can offer you. Pastor was so kind to mention we do a podcast release every month. We release two podcasts. And I think that podcast is actually a much bigger deal than I am. Somehow it's just taken off. And so you can find that on iTunes and SoundCloud. And uh, that's absolutely free. And then we put out a blog every month. And so that'll be a blessing to you as well. So check those out. And I believe it will help. Hey, can we pray before we get into the word this morning or this afternoon? And let's just believe that um, God is going to speak this morning to us individually. Um, And I feel impressed to just say this um, this afternoon. I have I have never get tired of watching God do what I'm about to describe to you. And that is that somehow He will take the words that come out of my mouth. And by the time they leave my mouth and reach your ears, he will custom tailor those words. And by the time it hits your ears, it's exactly what you personally need. Anybody ever experience that? But at the same time, everybody say the same time. time. At the same time, he'll take those same words and like over here, he'll take them and he'll custom tailor it entirely differently to be exactly what you need at the moment you're in. And honestly, I don't know how he does it. I just know he does it. And I'm so grateful that he does. So I want us to just pray over this word today on this beautiful Mother's Day and just come into agreement that God just custom tailor words from you to me today. And I believe that if we will do that expectantly, that we're all going to leave exactly what we came to get today. Amen. Can we do that? So Father, we just do. We come before you and we come into agreement. And God, we thank you for words from heaven that we receive today. Holy Spirit, we do give you permission right now to come and invade the privacy of our hearts. And Holy Spirit, we give you permission that if necessary, please come and rearrange the landscape of our lives and put us into position 
for everything you have for us for this new time that we are right now living in. Lord, we trust you for that and we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen Amen and amen. If you brought your Bibles today, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and open to Isaiah chapter 41. And as you're turning there, I want to make mention that uh, this month is a special month. Of course, it's Mother's Day today, but just this last week, we celebrated here in this nation uh, a special day, and that was the National Day of Prayer. Uh, That was just last week. And I don't know if any of you saw any of that news footage, but it was so cool to see, you know, as a nation, the acknowledgement of uh, our need for God. And and uh, I don't know if you saw this news footage, but there was actually a worship service that was conducted on the lawn of our capital. And at this worship service, this wasn't a worship service to any God or all gods. This was a worship service that was led by spirit-filled worshipers. Uh, worship leader, and they were worshiping the name above all names, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. They were worshiping Jesus and saying, we are still one nation under God. Come on. I mean, I think in 2019, we need to celebrate the wins. Amen. Because if you just leave it to the news and the media, I mean, they'll just have us believe that you just can't ever say the name of Jesus, that we're a godless nation. We don't believe in anything. But I'm here to tell you that's not true. We are one nation under God. In fact, um, wasn't too long ago, I was invited to be a part of a, a ceremony um, right outside our nation's capital at uh, the headquarters for the FBI. And when you're walking down the hallways of the FBI, inscribed on the walls is the Bible scripture verse, uh, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. I thought, come on, the word of God is in in the foundation of our nation. You can't tell us that we are anything but who we are. Yes. Amen. So don't you let the media or people talk you out of talk you out of that. I mean, we need to celebrate the fact that man, we just had a national day of prayer. Yes. And how wonderful that is. And so um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but that National Day of Prayer actually came from a challenge that was issued to our nation's government leaders by Reverend Billy Graham years ago. And so it was actually back in about 1952, and he had been invited by the House of Representatives and the Senate to come and speak to our nation's leaders because they were in the throes, the beginnings of the Korean War. There was a lot of decisions that they were contemplating and needed to be made. And so they asked Reverend Billy Graham to come and speak to this gathering of leaders. And at the end of his speech, he wound up issuing to these leaders a challenge. And I wanted to read you just a piece of what he said. He said, what a thrilling and glorious thing it would be to see leaders of our country today kneeling before Almighty God in prayer. What a wonderful and thrilling thing he said it would be to see leaders of our country today kneeling before Almighty God in prayer. So this was like in February of 1952. And uh, right after that, like a, a miraculous thing happened. 
where the House of Representatives and the Senate came together and jointly, unanimously issued a bill for a national day of prayer. How many of you know it's a miracle whenever you hear anything said about our nation's leaders unanimously doing anything? God was involved, okay? And, uh, and so they, they came together in a unanimous joint decision and said, you know what? We need to nationally, annually have a day where we acknowledge Almighty God. And so President Truman signed that into law, and that's how we got our National Day of Prayer. So I want to talk to you about something this afternoon um, that has been the thing that has been steadying uh, presidents, heads of state, and leaders of military armies for centuries. It's actually the same thing that has also been keeping mothers and fathers together and steadying them in crisis situations, whether they be in hospital rooms or accident scenes or, or dire situations. It's also the same thing that happens to be an inheritance that mothers pass down to their children. It's all the same thing, and that thing is dependency on God. Dependency on God. There is something about when we stop and acknowledge, God, I need you. Like the song says, I need thee, and every hour, come on, I need thee. And I, I remember a time in my own life, you know, where I was extremely aware of the dependency, my own dependency on God. And I had actually been invited to go and meet with the president of a nation. It was the night before I was supposed to go and meet with this man. I had never met with the president of a nation before. I thought, how did this come to me? How did this situation even evolve? And, and how was this going to go? And I was on my knees acknowledging my dependence on God because this was overwhelming to me. And as I did, the word of the Lord came to me for the president of this nation. I thought, God, how is this going to happen? I've never felt so dependent on you in my life. And so the next morning, you know, I got up and I went to the government complex. And, you know, you don't just casually walk in to the office of a president of a nation and kick back and order a cappuccino and just chat about the news. Um, they take you through a whole lot of protocol before you ever walk into that office. And so these meetings are, are not just up for chit chat. They're actually very scripted. There's a whole lot of protocol. And so they walk you through, you know, when you come in, he'll stand and acknowledge you and you you don't sit until he acknowledges your seed. And then once you sit, he will speak first and he will have his say and he'll make all the remarks he wants to make. And, uh, and then when he's done and only when he's done, can you then respond? And, and your response is also fairly scripted where you thank him for the time to meet with him and acknowledge, you know, what's happening in this nation. And, and then when you're done, he will stand, you will rise and that's the end of it. And so it was time to go in and meet with this president of this nation. I walked in and we started through the protocol scenario that they had walked me through. And uh, we sat down and I just thought, Lord, how is this going to go? 
And so he began to make his remarks and he thanked me and my teams for coming in all we had done for his, his uh, nation there in Grenada. And, and so when he was finished, uh, it was my time to speak. And so I thanked him for his time and, and told him what an honor it was to come and serve the people of Grenada. And in the middle of saying that, suddenly I realized there was a window here, a window of opportunity. And so I said, uh, sir, uh, in serving the people of your nation, we have been praying for your nation. And I said, sir, in praying for your nation, we have also been praying for you. And I said, in praying for you, it would seem. And I began to share with this very powerful man this word that the Lord had given me. And I said, sir, it would seem that at this particular time in your administration that there are some political allies that have been circled around you that it's looking like they're pulling away from you. And it would be normal in your political prowess to reach out and, and try and secure those relationships and bring them back. But the Lord would say to you to let them go. And if you'll let them go, you and Grenada will be better off for it. Well, at this point, the security in the room got pretty intense because we are way off the page of the protocols of how this meeting was going to go. And, and I can remember in this you know, particular moment thinking, is this the moment where they drag me off to some prison cell, you know, and, and this is how it all ends, you know. And, um, but in that moment, that, that man did a really interesting thing. I, as far as I know, he's not a believer. He didn't even have a relationship with God. But all of a sudden in that moment, he lifted his hands up on each sides of his head and he dropped his head and he just said this, let them go, let them go. And I thought, Lord, that was his agreement with your word. And in that moment, I realized there was another window of opportunity. I'll tell you in this day and age, we need to be really wise and aware and discerning of windows of opportunity that God gives us. And maybe the second before they show up, you have no idea what to do. But all of a sudden when they do, if you acknowledge it and take that opportunity, God will give you words to say that will open up something you never could have opened up on your own. And so I just remember in that moment, just saying, sir, could we pray together? And could I pray with you? And that man bowed his head to his desk and we prayed that day. In that moment, maybe for the first time, I don't know, he acknowledged his dependency on God. Church, you know, we could just left this off as something for, you know, people that are just finding out about Jesus and need a savior. And you need to acknowledge that you need one, but I believe God wants to remind us this morning that we never graduate out of our total dependency on him. In fact, when I look at the lives of men and women of God that I respect, and the reason I respect them is because they are actually living in the promises and the realities that are in this book. When I look at people's lives that are living in the benefits of this book, one of the remaining strong uh, attributes that I see in all of their lives is a really strong dependency on the Lord. 
And I believe God is drawing our attention to this today because we are living right now in a culture that is absolutely counter to being dependent upon God. In fact, our culture today is screaming at us with all kinds of things that we need to do to make sure that we are independent upon uh, in our, of ourselves, that we are independent enough that we never have to rely on anything because after all, you never know if it's really going to be there. Everything about our culture screams, make sure you're self-sufficient. Make sure you're independently financially stable. Make sure that you're independently strong. Make sure that you don't need or require anything from anybody because after all, it could not be there for you. So your independence is your only secure way through. But how many of you know that no man is an island unto themselves and that your independence is never going to be enough to secure your total peace, your total happiness, your total security, and your total fulfillment? And so what the world never does tell us as they're trying to feed us this way of living of total independence, the world never tells us that not only will independence not be enough to keep you, but when you find out that you're going to hit rock bottom going down that road, the only thing that's going to be left at the end of your independence is co-dependency. And that's what happens to people outside of God. When they reach the end of the rope of their independence, they have to find something to satiate their souls. And so there is a reaching out to be codependent. Typically, it's codependent on someone. I need that kind of person to make me happy. I need that kind of person to give me peace. If I just had that kind of person, I just need you to accept me. I need you to secure me. then we find out that humanity doesn't have the ability to secure humanity. And when people hit the end of that rope, when people let them down, and they find out that people aren't enough to secure you, that codependency switches from a codependency on another human to codependency on whatever substance you think is going to get you through. That's why we're living in a generation of alcoholics. That's why we're living in gen- among generations of people that are dependent on controlled substances, substance abuse. Uh, I mean, that's why we have the opioid crisis that we have is because people are looking for a way to satiate their souls and their independence hasn't done it. And now they're living in a state of codependence. But the culture of the kingdom of God is the opposite of all of this. The culture of the kingdom of God says, lay down all of this stuff and do a trust fall lean back entirely upon me and your dependency upon me will be enough to sustain you all the days of your life hallelujah that's why David said I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever why because he found out that's what sustains me glory to God And so dependency upon God is something that God has invited us into. Dependency upon him is what gives us everything we need to live in the fullness of the life that he's called us to. 
There's this uh, story that I love that um, is from the pages of history. It happened around like 1939, somewhere around there. And, and the United States had built this um, helium airship. It was sort of uh, the United States answer to the Hindenburg, you know, that big blimp ship. And so they had built this gigantic airship and they called it the USS Akron. And uh, it was a massive. It was going to be the biggest, you know, military airship they ever had. And so they built it out here on the East coast. They were flying it across to the West coast and they had planned this big air show in San Diego. And all these uh, people, thousands of people came out to see this massive helium filled airship. And they had news cameras out there. And so they brought this thing down and they dropped the mooring cables uh, from the ship. And as they were bringing it down, there were U.S. servicemen that were down there to grab these mooring cables and secure the ship in these big hooks in the ground. And so as it was coming down, all of a sudden, this big wind came in out of nowhere, picked up the tail end of that airship and just pushed it back up in the sky. And it snapped those mooring cables like they were nothing. The problem was that many of our U.S. servicemen were still holding on to those cables. And so that airship got thrown up, catapulted into the sky. And these men that were holding on as thousands watched below and TV cameras were rolling one by one, these precious men just began to lose strength and let go and fell to their death. It was a horrifying scene right in front of all these children and families. And there was one man that was still hanging on and and everybody knew it was just seconds until he experienced the same you know, fate as the others and how long could he hold on? And so he's holding on and they're just waiting for him to fall and it's just such a sad occasion. But a few seconds went by and he was still holding on. And a few more seconds went by, and he was still holding on and that young man held on for over two hours. And so by the time they landed that airship and they got him secured, the news was already calling this, this guy a hero. He was only like 19 years old. And so when they finally got him, you know, down to the ground, all the television cameras were there and they said, you're a hero. You know, how did you do this? How did you not suffer the same end as your, as your other servicemen? How did you hold on so long? And this young guy turned out he was from Oklahoma. He had one of those thick Oklahoma accents, you know, and he said, oh, y'all think I held on all that time? Now, do I have to interpret y'all here? Y'all know what that means? Okay. He said, y'all think I held on all that time? He said, oh, no. He said, I wouldn't hold on to that rope that whole time. He said, that rope was holding on to me. And they said, what? He said, oh, yeah. He said, I saw the rest of that rope hanging down underneath me. He said, I just picked it up, made a lasso like we do back home. And I put my feet through it and made a seat out of that rope. And he said, I just had the ride of my life riding across. He said, I wouldn't hold. That wasn't my strength. That rope was holding on to me. I'll tell you what, church, as believers, a lot of times, I think it's so easy, even as believers, to slip over into a place of sort of spiritual self-sufficiency, where we think when stuff's going on, man, I need to, I should be able to handle this. I need to pull myself up by the spiritual bootstraps, and we just start going through a mess of spiritual activity, going through the motions, trying to produce our own results, when really the truth is, it's not so much our ability to hold on to God. Turns out it's been Him holding on to us. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
And when you need answers on the quick and you need him the most, the greatest thing to do is not just throw yourself into a bunch of spiritual activity. The greatest thing you can do is just pause and lean way fully back on him and do what 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast your care on him for what? He cares for you. I want you to look here in Isaiah, at Isaiah 41, verse 13. I'm going to read this out of the NIV translation. It says, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. I'll tell you, sometimes we think, well, my problem is just too complex. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just too, it's a serious one and it's really complex because my life is uber important and my problems are more complex than your problems. <laughs> and, uh, and I've got all this stuff going, you just don't understand. But you know, you just never graduate out of. God, I need you to take hold of me by your right hand. I'm not gonna fear because I know what you said is true. I will help you. Hallelujah. So God has invited you and I into this relationship with him of dependency upon him. There is a deep well that you can explore of dependency on God. And just when you think you really are dependent on him, if you'll let the Holy Ghost lead you, you'll find out you got a lot more room to go. Um, I remember one time I shared a piece of this at the women's conference, but I remember one time I was really just wrestling through some things. You ever go to bed and you know you really need to rest and sleep, but when you lay down and close your eyes, your mind is still running those scenarios in your head going, what am I going to do? What? And it's, it's hilarious that we think we're going to problem solve ourselves out of things that we've been thinking about for three days and we still haven't come up with the answer yet. Am I the only one? And so I was just doing that and just running myself ragged, just running these scenarios. And, and finally, out loud, I just said, you know, God, you've got to do something. Anybody ever been there? God, you got to do, Lord, you got to do something. And just like that on the inside, now this wasn't some open-eyed vision. This wasn't a big spiritual deal, but just on the inside, all of a sudden I got this flash, this picture of Jesus standing over in the corner of my room and his hands were folded like this, but he had the sweetest smile on his face. And uh, he was just looking at me, but his hands, his hands were folded. And I remembered that flash, that picture coming across my heart. And then I, I heard these words come up in my heart. And he said, Jen, I said, I'd never leave you or forsake you. But how long will you let me stand here unemployed in your life? And I knew what the problem was. The problem wasn't, oh God, I need you to do something and you're not. The problem was I still was holding on to the problem. And here 
I had Jesus, the head of the church, the son of the living God, who'd already dedicated himself to me. He's already invested himself in your success because he already said, look, I am the author and the finisher of your faith. I began this work in you and I have committed myself to get you over the finish line. And if he promised to be there in the beginning and he promised to be there in the end, then he's dedicated himself to get you through the middle too. Hallelujah. And so there he was standing there. What I needed to do was not figure out what I was going to do. What I needed to do was to acknowledge my dependency on him. But in this relationship that God has invited us into, we find out that there's another half of this equation. Because not only has he said, I am telling you, I am calling you, I am making myself available to you to be completely and utterly dependent upon me. But the way that God chose to do this is he set things up where then there's a step beyond that. And God says, not only have I set it up for you to be dependent upon me, but I am making myself dependent upon you. I want you to look over in the book of Isaiah in chapter 51. There's this prophetic portion of scripture in Isaiah 51 where God takes this concept, this sort of next step, the other half of this equation, of this relationship that he set up for us. And it comes through these prophetic verses out of the prophet Isaiah. Look at verse 15. He says, but I am the Lord, your God, that divided the sea whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name. Verse 16, and I have put my words in your mouth and I have covered you in the shadow of mine hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say unto Zion, you are my people. Then he gives this prophetic charge, almost like a challenge. And he says, so awake, awake. Then if you look over to chapter 52 and verse 1, There's this tone of this prophetic challenge that is issued again. And he says, so stay awake, awake, stand up, O Zion, and put on your strength. God has made himself dependent upon us in that he is putting his words in our mouth. And when we speak them, then and only then is he able to move on your behalf. There's a minister that I think summed it up best by the name of John Wesley. John Wesley said it this way. He said, it seems that God is limited by man's prayer life. He said, it seems God can do nothing in the earth unless a man or woman asks him to. Turns out that while we're all waiting on God to do something about the state of our affairs, God is waiting on us. He said it this way. He said, "Um, I'm going to put my words in your mouth. And when you speak them, 
the power that's in my words is going to come through your voice activation, which is going to give me jurisdiction to do in your life what only I can do and you cannot do for yourself. And when you speak my words, not just any words, but my words, I like to say it this way. It's not what you say or how many times you say it. It's the position that you say it from. And when we take his words that he puts in our mouth and we speak those words, it gives God access to change things on our behalf and to change things in the world we're living in. Um, Jesus showed us this was the secret to his success when he walked the earth. What did Jesus say? He said, I only say what I hear my father say, and I'm only doing what I see my father do. And I love seeing this in the life of Jesus because when you see Jesus saying what the father said, do you ever notice that it was usually never over maybe about six or seven words? I mean, you don't need a theological degree from some seminary to have the word of God come out of your mouth. You don't have to say a bunch of spiritual words. I mean, look at the ministry of Jesus. It was so simple. I mean, storms were just raging and he just stood up and said, peace, be still. That's like the modern day equivalent of chill out. <laughs> right? Yes. Then what did he say to the, you know, the, the daughter? He said, daughter, your sins are forgiven you. I don't see a big spiritual dissertation there. Rise and be healed. This is the way. Walk ye in it. I'm just saying that sometimes we disqualify ourselves of being what Paul called us, which is you're no longer slaves, but you're friends of God. We disqualify ourselves of being what Paul said when he said, look, you are co-laborers with God in Christ Jesus because we think that this is reserved for the spiritual elitist. But I'm telling you that the word is true when it says eye is not seen, ear is not heard, it nor is it entered into the heart of man, the things I'm prepared to do for you, but I am revealing them to you by my spirit. Words, words change everything. I never saw this so clear before and, and you guys are getting a bonus because I haven't shared this story with any other service. And the reason I'm giving it to you is because if I lived here, number one, this would be my home church and number two, this would be my service. Like you would be my people, okay? We would live life together. I mean, you just sleep in a little, maybe have a little brunch. You've been caffeinated. Look how happy you are. And uh, so you're getting the bonus, okay? Because this, this would be my church. Don't tell the other services I said that. So I never saw this so clear. This was an early, early trip. Um, I took a team over to Grenada and God had given us this wild mandate. We were asking God, what's the key to this nation? And God gave us a really interesting uh, mandate. He said, I want you to go and throw them a party. Now, how cool is that? And so literally God gave us this idea and we went door to door and invited people to come for a week to come to this massive party. We had a Christian reggae worship team. Man, if you've never heard reggae praise and worship, you have missed half your life, okay? 
and so we had reggae worship teams going and we, um, we wanted to just feed them. We asked the locals, what's the equivalent of like a really nice steak dinner? And they said, well, you, they just love this open fire roasted jerk chicken with all these Grenada spices. I know you people are so hungry, right? <laughs> And uh, so we said, okay, we'll do that. And they said, they like these side dishes. They got this side dish called macaroni pie that will change your life, okay? (laughs) Macaroni and cheese has been lying to us for years. (laughs) This stuff is way better. So we hired this catering company. They just made thousands of pounds of all these side dishes. And then we were going to make this roasted jerk chicken. And so in order to do this, because we had thousands of people coming, um, we had to get permission from the government to uh, get a permit for this old abandoned airstrip. And it was actually the airstrip that the United States government had flown in on to liberate Grenada in the 80s. So it's just gorgeous. It's this big airstrip, this big field. We had this massive stage set up and lights and all these white t- and, and so we're going to have this massive outreach. And uh, so we had had to buy every piece of frozen chicken in the entire country to feed all these people. So it's the night before this event, and I told my team, I want us to go down to the airstrip and to this big field, and we're going to prayer walk it and just worship and just saturate the ground with the presence of God. So we're out there, you know, we're just worshiping, and I look down the airstrip, and all of a sudden, I mean, we're in the middle of the rainforest, you understand? We're in a third world nation, and I see this big white frozen food truck turn onto this airstrip and starts coming down the airstrip at me. And I'm thinking to myself, this could be problematic because we are in the middle of the rainforest. It's sundown, it's 90 degrees. And here comes the frozen food truck that I'm thinking has all those thousands of pounds of chicken. Only the event isn't today. It's not till tomorrow. And so sure enough, uh, this guy gets out and they bring him over to me and they said, Reverend Jen, this guy wants to talk to you. He said, I've got your chicken delivery. And I said, sir, if you'll look at your order, you'll see that you're a day early. And he said, ma'am, I do see that now, but I just drove over a rainforest for two and a half hours to bring this chicken. I am not coming back tomorrow. And, And bless his heart. He opened the back of that truck and started unloading pallet after pallet of frozen chicken on that airstrip, got in his cute little truck and drove away. And uh, so we're really in a spot now. I mean, we literally have, I don't know, 50, 60 pallets, thousands of pounds of frozen chicken. Okay, sun's going down. It's 100% humidity. Uh, There's no buildings anywhere. And so here we are. And I'm just thinking, what are we going to do? And, uh, and so, um, the team came around me and they said, uh, Reverend Jen, what do we do? And, uh, I learned a valuable leadership lesson that day. I said, uh, well, I'm still deciding as if I had options, you know? <laughs> and so a few minutes goes by, one of the team members said, um, somebody over here wants to see you. And so I go over and there's this little old Grenadian man standing there. And so he says, uh, is this your chicken? I said, yes, sir. He said, what are you going to do with it? I said, well, I'm still deciding. And he said, okay. And he said, well, he said, you see that shack over there on the hill? And I said, yeah. And it was a shack. I mean, it was just like panels of old wood. He said, well, he said, um, it's not much of an option. He said, but it's got a cement floor and you're welcome to put your chicken in there. He said, I can at least padlock it. Now this really isn't going to help me because we're in a hundred percent humidity. The event's not till tomorrow afternoon. And so, but what other option do I have? 
So I said, all right. So everybody grabbed a pallet of chicken. We start carrying thousands of pounds of chicken. We pile it up in that shack, you know. And so I said, all right, everybody lay your hands on this chicken. (laughs) So we lay our hands on this chicken. And I said, God, you sent us here. This wasn't our idea. You gave us a mandate. You said you put your words in our mouth and we would plant the heavens. So we command this chicken to stay frozen in Jesus name. And we thank you for it. And so we get out. Now I looked that old man in the eye because I'm wanting to make sure that he's just not joking me that as soon as I leave, he's going to open his own KFC and have a chicken sale. So I looked him in the eye and I said, I will be back in the morning for my chicken. So we get in the vans, we go back to the base, you know, and, and the team's like, Reverend Jim, what are we going to do? I said, we go to sleep. What else are we going to do? Because at this point, we've done all we know to do, and we've totally connected ourselves to our dependency on God. Amen. So the next morning we get up, it's go day. I mean, we've been planning for a year for this. We've got thousands of people coming. And so we drive out, you know, to the airstrip in the early mornings. And, and so we get down there. And so here comes that old man. And so he unlocks that, that uh, shed, you know. And so every year when I go to Grenada, I ask him to drive me out to this airstrip because it still means so much to me. And so there's this little grassy knoll by that, that shed. And so this was the moment of truth. And so one by one, now it's sat in over 95 degrees all night. So in the natural, there shouldn't even be any chance. And so they open that thing up and they pull out that first pallet of chicken and they laid it on that knoll. Boom. We all looked at it (laughs) and it was all frozen. They pulled out the second one. Boom. And it was all frozen. We pulled out the third one. Well, now this team is like, we've had a chicken miracle. You know, this is going to be the greatest event ever. And so this team is flying so high. I mean, this is miraculous in the natural. This never should have happened. And so they're so excited. So now the the bands are coming. They're setting up the equipment, you know, for the worship team. And and the the catering trucks are coming with all the, the sides. And we're so excited. And so I I'm over on the side meeting with all the pastors for this big event and and uh, they're over there they've got the fire pits going they're gonna cook this chicken and so we'd probably been in setup mode for about I don't know an hour and a half or so and I'm in a meeting with these pastors and one of my team members comes over and he runs over and he's pulling on my shirt he said Reverend Jen I need to talk to you right now I said buddy I'm in the middle of a, a meeting what's up and his his eyes are just big as quarters he said we need you at the chicken fires right now I'm like dude we've already had a chicken miracle what could be the problem and he this kid is freaked out I said buddy it's fine just tell me what's the situation and he's just beside himself and he said uh ma'am they've had the chicken on the fires for about an hour now and the chicken won't thaw. We need you to come release the chicken. When I tell you your words have power, when I tell you you've got some things to say, it's not because you're so spiritual, it's because you are in the seat of authority. And when opportunity knocks, you are well equipped to come on through the door. Hallelujah. 
I wish you could have seen me that day. The woman of great faith and power going, what do you say to release chicken? (laughs) And so here's me walking down the row of these fire pits going, be loosed. I don't know. (laughs) Fall in Jesus' name. You know, I thought maybe we need to have like a Benny Hinn moment. We'll say, pick up the chicken. You know, they pass up, pick it back up. I don't, I don't know. What do you do? And so I literally had to go over there and release the chicken because that chicken was held by the power of the word of God I had already put on it. And it couldn't do what it was naturally intended to do until my words released it from what I had said. God's putting words in your mouth, church, to say some things, to give decrees and commands of faith, and you got to believe that your words hold the weight it needs to get the job done. And it's not because you're so super spiritual. It's not because of all the hours you spend in the prayer closet. It's because you found your sweet spot, your dependency on God, and you're not just saying any words. You're saying His words, and when you say His words, think things change. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me today? Father God, we thank you that you've put us in a powerful position. And God, this position you've set us in, God is initiated by our acknowledgement on our dependency upon you. Father, I believe that you are addressing some things in our lives today. God, that maybe have felt like power shortages and it's not because you're not there present with power and it's not father because you've not extended that power to us but maybe God it's because we have been trying to be dependent in and of ourselves father today we step out of any place of self-sufficiency and independence we're done with power shortages lord we step back, we lean back. God, we trust fall into total dependency on you. Father, we acknowledge the other half of this great collaboration you've set us in with you. That in this place of dependency upon you is when we really go to work with you to build the life that you intended for us to have. Lord, I thank you that all over this room right now, words are coming. They're popping like popcorn, Father, showing us things we need to say to see things change. And we thank you for it. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would open up a river of words to this house to begin and to speak and to declare not only things, God, for our lives, but things for this city, things for this state, things for the East Coast, things for our nation and the nations for God you have put us in position and we take it seriously today God we awake in Jesus mighty name and everybody said amen do you receive it hallelujah God bless you church thanks for listening to stay connected find out our service times or how you can get involved, please visit intlfamilychurch.com for more information. Our mission at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself, to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose, and help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. One of the easiest ways you can do that is simply by sharing this podcast and connecting with us online. 
You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening.